from the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, I'll have my intravitreal triamcinolone neat. We believe the benzoyl alcohol may be involved in this higher inflammatory reaction that we observed in the Canalog group. First this, the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Maya declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. No single department of ophthalmology has the best lectures in every field. Open ophthalmology is a meta-school in which lecturers from different departments have access to ophthalmology residents everywhere. I've seeded this marketplace of ideas with my own course on clinical optics. Who's your department's best lecturer? Let me know and come visit us at openophthalmology.com. Open ophthalmology. Let a hundred flowers bloom. Intravitreal injection of triamcinolone may be used with benefit in the treatment of a number of ophthalmic conditions. I would venture to guess that few ophthalmologists would argue with that statement. However, the consensus ends there. What is the appropriate dose? How should the injection be performed? And in what setting? Opinions abound. But before we even get to dose, we need to ask which triamcinolone is appropriate for intravitreal use, preserved or unpreserved. Mauricio Maya has published results of his study examining this question, and I'm happy to have Dr. Maya as my guest today. Mauricio, welcome to a scene from here. Tell me, what complications had been reported with intravitreal triamcinolone prior to this study? In general, yeah, we have a 40% rate of cataract in one year of follow-up of these patients, 30% of um, glaucoma uh, in these patients. These are the most important complications, you know. What distinguishes hypopion from pseudohypopion in these patients? Yeah, the the point is the hypopion in pseudohypopion is very hard to 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 know the difference. But uh, the first thing that we look is is the time of the hypopion appearance. When we have hypopion early on in the first hours after uh, the injection. This is probably pseudo-hypopsion because of the crystals came to the anterior chamber. You understand what I mean? Yeah, of course. In the, fir- the first hours, uh, we consider more uh, pseudo-hypopsion than hypopsion, okay? Especially in patients with posterior capsule rupture. Uh, this is very common that the 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 crystals come from the the come they come uh, to the anterior chamber. This is the first thing. The second thing, which is the inflammatory reaction, is hard to know because we have uh, we have the steroid action inside the eye, so maybe the inflammation is the inflammation cascade is not. Um, going around because of the steroid effect. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, of course. In, in fact, that's what I was going to ask next. That is, when these intravitreal triamcinolone patients present with endophthalmitis, are the eyes generally quieter because of the presence of the steroid? 
Yeah, so this is very hard. So when it's early on, uh, when the hypot when the hypotenuse is very is very early on after uh, sooner after the injection, we consider as a pseudo hypotenuse and we start the steroids and we perform a therapeutic test. Okay, we just put some eye drops of steroids and if this hypopion goes finished, we consider this as pseudohypopion. What is the pathophysiology of the sterile endophthalmitis seen in some of these patients? The pathophysiology, we believe the pseudohypopion occurs uh, due to uh, some steroid migration and are not uh, eyes that were injected with uh, benzyl alcohol. Uh, with uh, the triencinolone with preservatives. That was uh, the first injections that we performed before uh, using the benzyl alcohol, a vehicle for the triencinolone. Mauricio, what was the objective of this study? The objective of this study was to demonstrate uh, when we inject in patients triencinolone with no preservatives, we uh, observed less inflammatory reaction than in patients that we injected triencinolone with preservatives. That is the Kenalog. Sure, and the preservative of concern in Kenalog is the benzyl alcohol. Yeah. Now, let me get you to describe the design of your study. Yeah, the design of our study was just a retrospective study. Once we observed in some patients that were injecting best with the analog, and we observed in some of these patients abseiling the phthalmitis uh, with inflammatory reaction, a red eye, and after we start using uh, triencinolone with no preservatives, and we observed in these patients, some patients that the triencinolone came to the anterior chamber, but with no inflammatory reaction or minimal inflammatory reaction. We had, we hypothesized at that time that the benzyl alcohol, which was the main difference between the two formulations, were involved in the inflammatory reaction. Could you understand? Yes, of course. Yeah. Now, can I get you to talk a little bit more about the number of patients studied and the time period over which the retrospective review took place? Yeah, the, uh, this is one of the problems of this study. In the analog group, we have uh, a small number of patients, if I'm, if I'm not wrong, 64 Okay, it's smaller than the other group that we injected transinolone with no preservatives. Because when we uh, observed inflammatory reaction and the hypopion in the canola group, we stopped that. We tried the transinolone with uh, the national transinolone here from Brazil, and it's cheaper than the canalog, so we quit the canalog. So the only numbers we have are these numbers. So the, both groups, they are very different about the numbers, and this is because of these observations. So we quit the catalog in the past for these two main reasons. 
One is the cost. And the other one, at that time, we hypothesized that the benzyl alcohol was involved in some of the inflammatory reaction. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, sure. Now, what were the indications for injection of intravitreal triamcinolone in these patients? Majority of these patients were Irvin gas syndrome, macular edema after cataract surgery. Uh, they were the majority of these patients. But we had some patients with branch retinal vein occlusion, macular edema due to diabetic patients. Uh, however, the majority of them were patients with macular edema after cataract surgery and posterior capsular rupture. So some of the explanations of the anterior migration of the triamphenolone is uh, regarding the posterior capsular rupture, okay? Yeah, sure. Now, let me ask you to walk me through the injection of a patient. What do you do step by step? Step by step, okay. We performed in 90% of the patients, almost of our patients, we perform. We went to these patients in the OR. We performed pre-installation of povidone, five percent, and after that, we covered these patients. Uh, we we used the um, PZPI, the topical PZPI in in the eyelashes, and after that, we put the steroid drape, and after that. We performed anterior chamber paracentesis. We removed 0.05 around that of acros humor. And after that, we performed intravitreous injection of uh, triamcinolone 3.5 millimeters uh, from the limbus in fake patients and 2.5 millimeters from limbus in pseudo-fake patients. What was the dose of triamcinolone that you used with these patients? Four milligrams in outpatient. That's four milligrams? Four milligrams. Now, just to be clear, the preparations of Kenalog and the non-preserved triamcinolone that used, these were commercial preparations. It's not that you had to wash your own triamcinolone. Yes, they were commercial preparations, right? Even from the analog or even from the preservative-free triamcinolone, which is a very common triamcinolone here in Brazil. Mauricio, what were the results of your study? What were your findings? Uh, okay, the results of our study showed in the analog group of patients, uh, in these patients, we had a higher uh, incidence of pseudo-hypopion and when we had more uh, pseudo-hypopion, these eyes, they had more inflammatory reaction than in the group injected with preservative-free triamcinolone. In this other group, we observed a less frequency of uh, pseudo-hypopion and also we observed uh, less inflammatory reaction in disease, even with pseudohypopion. So uh, based on the difference about these two formulations, 
is basically only benzyl alcohol. We believe the benzyl alcohol may be involved in this higher inflammatory reaction that we observed in the Canalog group, but we are not sure about this. So when non-infectious endophthalmitis was observed in the preservative-free group, it was less pronounced than in the preserved group, and it was also less frequent. Yes, yes, you got it. Uh, maybe we have some bias because of the difference uh, of the numbers in the Canalog group and the different difference of the numbers in the in the uh, preservative-free group. You know, they are very different. Uh, so the the rate of pseudendophthalmitis is different, and we uh, we may have a bias comparing these subgroups. You know. How common was non-infectious endophthalmitis in the group that received preservative-free triamcinolone and in the group that received the preserved triamcinolone, the Kenalog group? In the preservative-free group was 1.6 or 1.8. I don't remember very well, but I think it's 1.6 in the preservative-free group. And in the other group was 7% in the Kenalog in the Canalog group. Was much higher, yeah. Yeah. Was there any difference in the rate of increased intraocular pressure in the two groups? No, no difference. This, this was very interesting. There was, there was no difference. We tried to compare and to find some relationship about the, uh, the benzyl alcohol and the uh, intraocular pressure, and we didn't observe this uh, this was not statistically different, so we believe the the high intraocular pressure is really, really uh, related to the uh, steroid effect. Now, if benzyl alcohol is the source of the non-infectious endophthalmitis in the preserved triamcinolone group, in the Kenalog group, what is the etiology of non-infectious endophthalmitis in the preservative-free triamcinolone group? There's no benzyl alcohol there. Yes, the, we believe the etiology is an anterior migration of the steroids uh, by the posterior capsule, which is ruptured in patients with Irvine gas syndrome. But the point is, the inflammatory reaction is more important in the uh, benzyl alcohol group. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, of course. These eyes were red, different than in the other groups. Mauricio, what do you do in your own practice now? Do you use exclusively the preservative-free triamcinolone preparation? Yeah, uh, yes. I use the preservative-free triamcinolone in all patients. We start and use the preservative-free triamcinolone based in these observations that were not uh, published. Uh, two years ago, you know, we use a local, no preservatives. Mauricio, thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. It was very good to talk to you. Mauricio Maya is assistant professor at the Federal University of Sao Paulo in Sao Paulo, Brazil. His paper, Effects of Intravitreal Triamcinolone Acetonide Injection with and Without Preservative, appears in the September 2007 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Maya or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. 
These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States style, area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial, 020-7558-8275. Or Skype, JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the New Media Project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.